Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Awesome. Oh, so glad everyone gets to be together tonight, and uh, it's a good good night to be together. Uh, we have some really special things we're going to do. We do have one uh, announcement that I want to make sure that we have. We have been, as a church, the last couple of, of weeks um, praying for Jesse shared um, a couple weeks ago about a need in a village in Malawi that we've been committed to uh, for the last several years and helping them um, with a, a, a partnership with Farming God's Way, and we've been helping them with seeds. And the original goal that we had to, to get the seeds for the 40-plus farmers was $507, and so we set a goal for $1,000, and we reached that goal. But there were some people that we said that we would take the last offering tonight. I know there were people like, hey, we haven't even given yet. And so I, I thought it was important tonight because I feel like for us as a church family, we, God is growing us up. We're maturing. And, and so I'm telling you right now, you do not need to give to meet the need. But the thing that we've been praying about in the last few weeks is God, so that this, this little uh, painting comes from Malawi. And every time I look at it, it's like, God, what if you want to make yourself famous through this little village called Faleti and Malawi? And every year there's been some big disaster. Every year there's been some big need. And there was the floods. There was the hundred-year floods that came. And then there was a famine. And this year there's, what's the name of the worm again? I always forget the name of the worm. The fall army worm. I just know it's some kind of army worm, but I don't ever remember the fall part. The fall army worm has come and is wiping out their food, wiping out their crops. And so we have been praying over the last few weeks that God would do something great. And this week when I was praying, because I looked, all of a sudden we had, we had an offering come in uh, on the cash app. And I looked and I said, oh, the need's already met. And I thought about some of the things we've been praying. It's like, what if there's more than enough in that village? What if in the place there's never been enough, there's more than enough? So tonight, we want, you know, I'm not going to pass a plate tonight. Um, but if you have an offering, we will have a basket here at the front for you to put an offering in. You can write a check to AOX or put it into and, and put uh, the Malawi fund on it. The other thing is we use the cash app a lot. If you have not given and you want to be a part of giving, please either give tonight or communicate tonight because we're going to get the we're going to get the offering out this week. Uh, so the cash tag on the cash app is AOX and just again type Malawi. But can we pray because there's already been people who've given. I know there are a few families that we're still going to give. If you're here as a guest, we invite you. If you want to join in with us, this would be awesome. I would love to send them a blessing. And they thought that's not at all what we needed. That's way more than enough. But can we pray together? that what God will do, because listen, this is not about us taking up an offering to send to people. This is about Jesus getting glory. And we want to see Jesus, we want to see you glorified in the village of Faleti, Malawi. God, we want to see the, the villages surround it be blessed. God, I pray, God, I pray not only tonight, God, for the seed to go in the ground and the food that we'll be able to provide, but God, we, prayed for, we pray for your word to go out of that village. We, God, we pray for there to be a supernatural, God, that we would just be partners with you. God, that we're not trying to take the responsibility of meeting the need, but we're partnering with you, and you would come and do something so amazing in that village that all in that region, Jesus would get glory, that you would be made famous in that region and in that nation and all over the earth by what you want to do. So, God, it's an honor. Thank you for those who are already have given, God, for those who are going to give tonight. God, we do it in faith, asking you to multiply it, asking you, Holy Spirit, to breathe on the offering.
that it would be used not just to feed stomachs, but to, to bring hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, we have some special things we're going to do tonight. In just a few minutes, we are really uh, blessed to have some special guests with us. Um, and we're going to be having just a, a conversation. It's a, it's a, it's a really um, awesome opportunity just to have some spiritual moms and dads that are connected to our family be here with us tonight. And so we're going to do that in just a few minutes. But before we do that, we had something really cool happen um, in the last few months. Um, Gabe, you and Eliza should stand up and go ahead and come up here. Um, and you should bring your little girl. <laughs> but uh, Gabe has been, you know, our church is now seven years old, and from before there was an AOX, Gabe was here uh, following Jesus and was one of the initial people that when we were saying, hey, we think what we're doing in following Jesus, we think this is what the scripture calls church. And um, Gabe has been very faithful as, as a leader and as someone who's given oversight and, and served in the, in, the, in the function of an elder. Um, and so we are not really big in our church tradition. We're not really big into titles. Um, I've come to understand that sometimes I get kind of freaked out because I realize we don't know how to do them very well um, at all. And so like, um, but there, we do have this principle. It's like all of us should be equipped to function as sons and daughters to function on behalf of our father, right? We're all in agreement with that. And so we have this kind of like... Um, philosophy or, or, or value that says, hey, we're going to follow Jesus. We're going we're gonna to recognize when God puts a leadership gift on someone, and then when there's a need to, we're going to do whatever we need to do to set that person apart for the thing that God's called them to. Does that make sense? And so we don't send people before there's God spoken about where we send them to. Does that make sense? A few years ago, I feel like we, I used to, we would get together for a weekend, then we'd have a commissioning service. And I realized that was probably premature. Because it's hard to commission someone until you understand what their mission is. And so in understanding, like, when, honestly, when we first started this church, I talked a lot about church planning. I still believe and have faith for God to see churches planted all over the planet for the glory of Jesus. But we're much more now into people planting. Like, you don't have to plant a church in order to fulfill God's call on your life. You don't have to start a business. You don't have to be a missionary to another nation. You don't have to be an art. You can be whatever God made you to be. But one of the things we recognize is whenever God raises up leaders, we do want to acknowledge that Scripture has something to say about what it means to just recognize that gift on them and to be able to acknowledge it and actually contribute into it, okay? So I want you to take your Bibles real quick. I'm, I promise you I'm not going to preach, but I want you to take your Bibles real quick. We're going to look at two verses that Paul gives to Timothy. Turn to first to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read just a couple of verses here, and then we're going to read one little section in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to pray for, um, for Gabe and for this family tonight because a few months ago, Gabe called me and says, Hey, Brad, my sister has asked me to do her wedding. Have you preached the gospel before you got ordained? He has. Have you relied on Holy Spirit before you got ordained? Yes, he has. It's not like... It's not like he didn't already walk in a place of leadership before. Do you understand what I'm saying? But principle here, whenever Nehemiah gets ready to go and do the thing that was in his heart, he got permits from the king. And the state of Ohio told Gabe that he had to have a certificate of ordination to, to be set apart for that thing. Does that make sense? And so now, so Gabe said, what do we do? I, some people said, I didn't know Gabe went to school to become a minister. 
I said, are you kidding? Do you know what this guy's walked through for the last <laughs> however many years, longer than seven? So we are tonight recognizing what we believe God's already established, that Gabe and Eliza are set apart for the Lord. And in the season where we've had to comply with the state of Pennsylvania and the state of Ohio, now this is an opportunity to celebrate. Does that make sense to you? So let's listen to the scripture because I don't want this to be a formality. Does that make sense? Like a wedding ceremony that's just a formality is not, we miss the point of it. Right? So here, listen to this scripture. Uh, chapter 4, I'm going to start reading verse 12. It says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading and exhortation and to doctrine, and do not neglect the gift that is in you that was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of eldership. Meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continuing in them, and for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So there was a place where Paul says to Timothy, who is his son in the faith, hey, there was something that took place where whenever th those people who were called as elders, and, and that sometimes that word is translated as presbytery, but really that is those people, those older people who are around you, those elders who are around you who recognize there was a laying on of hands and there was actually something that God did in that moment. So I have known this man and I have like, I trust Gabe. I have trust Gabe as a leader in this community. I trust him with my family. Do you understand what I'm saying? But tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to pray, and we're not going to put something in Gabe that God already hasn't had for him, but we are, are going to ask, God, would you come, as we humble ourselves according to what your word says, would you come and increase the deposit in this man and in this family and this couple? Does that make sense? Are you with me? Can you ask God that as we hear the word, our faith would increase for what he wants to do tonight? Because I really don't feel like it's worth our time just to go through emotion. But if what we are doing has faith attached to it, I believe that what happens in this place will not only be a nice night for them, but that hell will tremble. And orphans may find, one of the, one of, one of the scriptures I hear sometimes, whenever I read, I hear Gabe saying it, because there was a season where he said it a lot, is God places the lonely in family. Like, listen, lonely hearts may find family because of what God pours out of heaven tonight. Amen. There already is, has a commitment to this, this child and to the children the Lord's going to give them. There's already a commitment. But I believe as we pray tonight in faith, guys, we're not putting, listen, it's not our job to put something in him. God has already put a deposit in him. But by faith, we're asking for increase. Do you hear what I'm saying? So that's on us to have faith tonight. Gabe, I've got one for you and for you, Eliza. Because one of the things I really believe, and I'll be really honest with you, I'm still learning. I don't have all this figured out. But one of the things I see when Paul talks about these places of ministry, when Paul talks about um, what it means to function this way, and he speaks to men, he is most often clearly speaking to husbands, and he says they are one flesh with their wives. And so... Gabe is Gabe and Eliza is Eliza, and they have not lost their individuality, but there's something beautiful about the, the image of God in the, in the female form and the male form being made one in a family. Do you understand that? So I had Eliza come stand here on purpose because I believe that there's something tonight as we pray, I am having faith that God will just pour into them. Does that make sense? Are you with me? All right. So Gabe and Eliza, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 
number, we're going to start reading in verse 3. It says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. And without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance that genuine faith that's in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Listen to this. Therefore, Timothy, therefore, Gabe and Eliza, I remind you to stir up the gift which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For my God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And I really believe that tonight as we pray for you, that God wants to speak some things to your heart. There may be people who get prophetic words and, and share those with you. But tonight, and, and as a place, as we humble ourselves, because there's nothing about this flesh that's going to do anything, but as we humble ourselves to this place of a laying on of hands, I want to charge you not to be passive about the things that God speaks tonight, but to stir those things up. Not even to say, well, God, if you want to do something, you can do it, but to, to stir up like another translation. Remember the, the translation that, the other translation that is used here is to fan into flame. That's not a passive thing. So we are going to have tonight, we're just at time, and if you, I want, as, we're, as we're praying, I've asked a few people to come, and you can go ahead and come, and we're going to pray. But as we do, I want all of you to say, God, what are you saying? And if you get something, I want you to write it down. Because we have some other things to do tonight, and I know our family, we will be here till midnight just praying for Gabe. Um, but I don't want to neglect this opportunity, and because we don't believe that there's only a few people who hear from God, I really want to ask that you would activate right now your heart and your faith and if you will write those down, or you can, if you don't have Gabe's number, you can, uh, if you do have his number, you can text him to him. But if you don't, tonight, I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to hear from the Lord and to be able to bless this couple, okay? So let's gather around them. And before we pray, is there anything that you have that you want to say? Or there may not be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you hand me that oil right there? I'm glad you took your hat off because I have an oil to pour all over your... No, I'm just... <laughs> In the spirit of Jim Herb, the rest of this oil is going to be poured out tonight, so... <laughs> wow. God, we say thank you. Yeah, and so we're just going to take a minute and listen. Holy Spirit, come. Please do not just be a observer tonight. Yeah. I'm hearing the Lord say that there, in a, there is an Elisha anointing that's upon your life. And it's a double portion of Elijah. And the Lord comes in this season of your life and he is, he's made such 
deep and powerful deposits that you've not even talked about, just moments and times when it was just you and God, and you didn't even know how to translate it to other people or explain the, the, the treasure is deep. He's put a deep, deep, deep deposit inside of you. And I hear the Lord in, in this season, he's saying, I've come now to demand a withdrawal of that deposit that I put inside of you. And so the Lord comes and the Lord says, now is the time for the quickening of boldness in your yes. life. I keep hearing the word fire. Yes. <laughs> I keep hearing the word fire. That you will call down fire. The Lord is going to send you into places that no one else wants to go. Places that people are afraid to go. But as God sends you into those places, he sends you with such an anointing that when you speak, the Father will quickly affirm the truth of the words that come out of your mouth. Your words will carry fire. Glory, hallelujah. I, I see you bringing legion out of the graveyard. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory. When I was just praying for your spirit, I heard the Lord say, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of Holy Spirit. He didn't say it would be a lake or a reservoir. It's not going to be contained within you. It's a river. And it's going to rush. And it's going to flow. It's going to spill out. And it's going to touch people all around you, Gabe and Liza. So right now I just speak, Holy Spirit, river, river, rivers, artesian wells of Holy Spirit. Don't let it ever become stagnant. Don't let it ever become a reservoir. It's not going to be a lake. It's going to be a river. It's going to be a waterfall. It's going to be flowing out. It's going to be giving life. It is going to be communicating change. Everywhere the river goes, there'll be health and wholeness and healing. Let your river flow out of Gabe's spirit right now and also just out of Eliza. Just, just rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Whether there be a free flow of Holy Spirit. It's always going to be new. It's going to be fresh. Your work with us, it's a continual birthing of the new and the fresh. And it'll be fresh man. It'll be fresh bread. It'll be uh, fresh things. You're doing new things that you're releasing. I just pray that as well in Eliza's spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. When Brad was reading 1 Timothy 4, um, I have it in the Passion Translation. And it says, um, starting in uh, halfway through verse 12, I wanted to read it in that, in that translation. It says, speak the truth and live a life of purity and authentic love as you remain strong in your faith. So until I come, be diligent in devouring the word of God. Be faithful in prayer and in teaching the believers. 
Don't minimize the powerful gift that operates in your life. For it was imparted to you by the laying on of hands of the elders and was activated through the prophecy they spoke over you. Make all of this your constant meditation and make it real with your life so everyone can see that you are moving forward. And then this verse specifically, give careful attention to your spiritual life and every cherished truth you teach. For living what you preach will then release even more abundant life inside you and to all those who listen to you. And so, God, I just pray I bless Gabe and I bless Eliza that as they abide in your word, that the powerful gift that you have placed inside both of them as a couple, as their one, that as they live life, that others will see it and it won't be just words that they will overflow with your love and that it will be a love full of purity, a love full of power, a love that's just full of you and radiant beauty of you. Just thought of um, the verse in John chapter 1, verse 16 comes to my mind for both of you. Out of his fullness, we've all received grace in place of grace. And... uh, simple picture for that for me is just it's a never-ending supply of grace. Just when one measure of grace is given to you, there's another measure right on its heels. And it's just grace in place of grace in place of grace in place of grace. It's a never-ending supply, never-ending supply of grace. And grace is both kindness and mercy and tender-hearted compassion, but it's also power to do what God has called you to do. It's power when we feel weak, when we feel unable. And whenever you see the situation, don't always try to figure out the answers ahead of time because the answer will come as you say yes to the situation. Um, And I just felt for both of you that the intimacy that you're crying out for, part of the way that the Lord is going to answer that is on-the-job training, on-the-job caring for the flock, on-the-job being present in the midst of pressure on the job and just drawing upon the grace of the Lord and him forming that part of Jesus's wisdom, his leadership, his character on the job. It's not something that we can figure out ahead of time. It's just a matter of as you guys say yes to it. And it's just, it's on the job training. It's grace in place of grace. And Lord's just so pleased. And he's, even as you guys have, are in the season of learning how to care for your family, the Lord is saying, I've got you, you don't even have an idea, but you're going to learn how to care for my family. Mm-hmm. Just, And it's my love that's going to flow through you as you continually say yes, and it's my grace that will enable you to say yes, even when you don't feel um, like you want to say yes. So, Lord, we just say yes to that never-ending flow of grace, kindness, mercy, compassion. That's unfair, but also power in the midst of weakness. When we see our inability, we just are in a great place um, to receive your capability and your strength and your goodness and your power. We say, we bless Gabe and Liza and Lydia with us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Lydia is really important to what the God, like God has deposited inside of you. And I know that you've cried out to God to teach you how to love. <laughs> and um, sometimes it's been like pulling teeth. And, um, yeah, just the people in the body. And you've been crying like, God, teach me how to love. Teach me how to love. Um, you just wanted to love well. and um, But you were never a dad before this. And uh, I feel like the place that Lydia has in your heart um, there's an activation that's going to ignite passion um, and, like, the sense of protection. There's 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 a lion inside of you. Um, I've seen you respond whenever Lydia was sandwiched between Silas and Joshua. <laughs> um, but there's a lion inside of you that that passion is going to get... Um, really ignited and activated and it's not like you're gonna have to learn how to love or keep praying for like teach me how to love it's just gonna you're gonna have the heart of a father instead of a like a brother or instead of like um it, it's not like pulling teeth um it's when they're talking about legion <laughs> meeting legion like there's just gonna be a passion inside of you that really wants to fight um the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. There's like a violence inside of you. Um, it's to come out for the sake of the kingdom. And it's not going to be because you're like trying hard to bring it out. It's going to be because you were loving your daughter well, and you've learned what it means to be a dad. And the more you're with your dad, the more that passion is going to be manifested. Can you all just stick your hands out? Just reaching out. Let's just activate and pray. Father, we bless Gabe and Eliza and Lydia. God, we ask that as we have laid hands on them tonight, the Holy Spirit, we are already recognizing what you've done. God, I, I look at um, Eliza and I see a woman who has set herself apart. And God, as she has set herself apart, God, we are honored to be a part of her family. Eliza, when I saw you today, I always think you're beautiful, but I specifically thought what you were wearing today was significant. And I, I just feel like it reminds me, I don't know what the coat of many colors looks like, but there was something about the way that you, uh, when you walked in this morning even, I just felt like there's a, yeah, there was just something signifying the favor of God, the favor of a father. And um, I just am humbled uh, by the prayers that you prayed when no one was watching by the things that you have carried in your heart. And we, God, tonight recognize in Eliza's life that she has set herself apart, God, and we join you in recognizing that. We ask, God, that every good and perfect gift that you have desired to be present in her, God, by faith tonight, we ask for increase. God, not so she can be a superstar, but for the glory of your name and for the edification of your people. Gabe, I remember one of our first walks together. I often think about us walking across the park and you crying because when I asked you what the dream in your heart was, you said, uh, have a family that would change the world. That the way that you loved your wife and the way that you loved kids would change the world. And I just say that the calling of God on your life is not disconnected from that dream. And that's not just a nice thought. Psalms 20, verse 4, may he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. 
we are not good enough to have dreams like that. So that dream part of God heart that matches in your heart to have a, a marriage of integrity, a marriage of connection where you're always stepping towards your wife, where you're always grow, looking to grow as a father. We just bless you and say that as God is forming his church, his family, this is a great place to start. And that we recognize your calling as a husband, your calling as a father is not disconnected from your calling as not just a minister and a proclaimer of the gospel, but as one who has been recognized, has been given leadership in the church. So God, we ask that you would stir up the gifts that you've deposited and gave. God, specifically, I pray for a gift of faith that when Gabe doesn't see what he believes is right, he would have faith to see what his eyes can't see. That through the eyes of faith, he would, he would call a reality that is not as though it were. God, we pray that, yeah, as they've given themselves to you, God, and as far as they know, God, if they are positioned where they're supposed to be, God, we pray that marriages and children and people's walk with Jesus in Grove City and around this region would be impacted because of what you put inside of them. And so, God, as we lay our hands on them tonight, we ask Holy Spirit for you to come and for you to witness with your power, with your love, and with your breath as we recognize that you've called them and set them apart for these purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. Cody, would you come? Thank you, guys. Um, could one or two guys, are you guys getting those chairs? Okay, cool. Um, I'm just really excited about tonight. Um, I was talking with Brad a little bit about this weekend, specifically about tonight. And I guess I would specifically just want to say something short for our community and then just something for you guys who have come to share with us tonight. Um, I just know, like, as a church family, we're so blessed to have people who recognize that value for family and really recognize the importance of, like, relationship and like even just hearing what a lot of guys shared last night, I don't know how many of you were here for that, but just like, it's not necessarily a super common thing to have people who really cherish like relationship and really cherish being able to like share life and being able to encourage one another in the race. And I just know we're so blessed to have these people come and just like share with us tonight, um, not because they're perfect people, but they just have a lot of wisdom and life experience. And I just feel really honored to have you guys here and just really encourage the rest of us who are always here just to really like open your ears and open your hearts to receive what they have to say. Um, and then I, I just want to say to you guys, like, thank you for coming. Um, I was talking with Brad a little bit. Um, and I mean, I've had a lot of conversations with Brad over the past couple years along the lines of like, like, am I crazy? <laughs> like, like, I'm like living in this small town in like this small church and there's just like this little group of us and half the people we meet just don't even understand like why we do church the way we do it. 
and like people who like are really important to us, like parents and like family members and like loved ones are just like, what are you doing? Like, what are you, why are you in Grove City? Like, this doesn't make sense. Like people, like I was just talking to David Wade today and it was like, he like left a full ride to NYU to like be in Grove City and like follow Jesus because it's what he felt like the Lord called him to do. And people were like, that's, what are you doing? <laughs> like, don't do that. That's a really bad decision. And like, even now, like I just, I, I'm facing a lot of pressure with like people who are just like, it doesn't seem like you're making a good use of your life. Like, it doesn't seem like you're really being a good steward. And it's like, okay, I want to be honest with myself and I want to like, you know, be open to counsel, but I also want to be like committed to what the Lord's asked me to do. But sometimes when it's just like this small group of people and it's just like us and our like little leadership team and Brad, and I don't say that in a derogatory way at all, but just like sometimes it can just feel like we're like alone in trying to do what we're doing. And like, we don't have a lot of stuff figured out and sometimes it's messy and it can just be like, when those accusations come or when people are like, what are you doing? It can just, it can be discouraging and it can be like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> is this like worth it? Was it worth it for me to like, not consider like different career opportunities or not consider like just stuff I could have done elsewhere to really like devote myself to this place, to these people, to like figure out this messy thing called church together. And I just, even just like having Guy share over the past night or two is just like, just having you guys here just feels encouraging and just makes, just makes it feel a lot safer because it's like, there's people who, who are not only here who like see what's happening here and like recognize what God is doing and can say like, yes, just yes. <laughs> like, that's good. That's good. And like also an opportunity for people who aren't here to say like, no, that's not good. <laughs> and like, we just, I just, I just want to say like, I want that so badly. Like, I want that so badly for people who like have been through a lot of life and a lot of church to be able to like have confidence and not be afraid of like offending and not be afraid of like challenging and just say like, hey, this is what we see, like good or bad, like encouraging, knowing like it's coming from a place of love. And so I just, I'm really honored to have you guys here to share with us. Um, and that's not any like pressure at all. I just, I'm just really excited to have like wise people who aren't like here all the time to just like be committed to providing oversight and like providing some leadership and perspective in our church family. Um, and that's a conversation I've had with Brad a lot of times, but I just really just so happy about our, the opportunity that we have this weekend to hear from you. Um, and I know a lot of others in our church family feel that same way and have experienced some of those same challenges. Like, what are you doing here? Um, so yeah, thank you guys for coming. Um, yeah, why don't you come up? I'm just going to pray and then. Holy Spirit, we we know you're here, <laughs> and like we like it's just it really is just all about you. Like it really is all about you, and it, like it doesn't matter who has a mic, it doesn't matter where the lights are shining. Like we all bow before the same King. Yeah, come on, come on. So like just yeah, just do what you want to do tonight. Like share what you want to share, <laughs> speak what you want to speak, move our hearts in the way that you want to move them. And just like empower us to be more like you, to live lives that would bring us closer to your design for what you want our lives to be. So I just pray for your just like such clarity 
and just such, just like such anointing on any of the words that any of these people speak tonight, God, that they would just like, just be covered in grace and that we would just receive everything that we have, that you have for us to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Cody. Cody, can you turn the lights on? Might be good. So um, I'm gonna, we're going to make space to hear from um, these amazing people, but let me just give you a little bit of context. Um, two things. One is about two and a half, three years ago, um, I was having a conversation with a good friend who couldn't be here tonight, Joey Garlington. Um, and we were just talking about, it had been a few years since we'd seen each other. We were just talking about what was happening in life. And I said, well, you know, one of the biggest prayers in our church is God send us people with gray hair. Sometimes my biggest prayer is God send any hair, but, uh, you know, <laughs> God send us people with gray hair. And, and that is not just a prayer that I have prayed. That is a prayer because we do what Cody, I think it was important for Cody to set that up so you guys can hear. Um, man, and trying to figure out how to follow Jesus with authenticity, sometimes that can feel, especially when you're leaving your comfort zone. And I can say for me, what we're doing here is not what I grew up doing. It's not what was culturally comfortable to do, but I don't know any way. It's kind of like when Peter, when Peter, uh, or Jesus is talking to his disciples, I think it was Peter who said it, um, Jesus, you know, had, had given the hard talk about, eat, you know, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, and everybody starts leaving, and he, Jesus turns and looks, and he said, are, are you going to leave too? And I feel like we are among those who says, where else could we go? Because if we knew where we could go, maybe that would be an option. But if we've said we're going to follow you with everything, then we can't just like go with something that's comfortable. He's not comfortable. And that's not why he came is so we can have a comfortable life. And so over the last several years, we've been very blessed um, as a church. Our, you know, Before our church started, God had given a relationship for Adrian and I with um, Jim and Jan Herb and there were several places across the country that had students and had recent graduates kind of trying to figure out how to follow Jesus together. But one thing that God blessed us with was another generation. We had a couple who was willing to be a spiritual grandpa and grandma. And there was a culture of family that came instead of just mobilizing workers to go work. It was family. And that has been so important over the last several years as we have talked so much about God forming family in the church um, that... I just have recognized the best thing I know how to do as someone who has been given a privilege to love and walk with and provide leadership in this church family, the best thing that I know how to do in order to see family be healthy is to find other brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers that we can invite to come be a part of that. So tonight, we have three of the five couples represented that I have asked um, as Jim went to heaven about a, actually a year ago this week. Um, and I begin to say, God, like, we really want oversight that's healthy and, and good and it's reflective and not just something in title, but something in reality. I reached out to Guy and to John and to Donald and to Joey Garlington and to Everett Whiteside and said, hey, I would like to invite you along with your wives if you would provide just a personal oversight for me and for my family with this desire that we could grow in real relationship that also would overflow into the spiritual family that we lead. And so tonight, these amazing people, um, Bishop Clay and Lisa are here. This is their first time in Grove City. Come on. Everybody say, woo! 
we love you so much, and I know we've been trying to figure out how to get you here. You're, this is, listen, this is not, this does not count for the meal we want to have with everybody together, right? Because people just like, we want to just have a meal where we just get to ask you questions. Like, you know, you're going to get to answer some questions tonight, but like a different kind of questions. Because we just want to know you, right? Okay. Um, John Weissman has been a, a friend and a part of this family since before there was a family. And has been just faithful as a as a as a voice, as as someone who has not only been a, a true friend to me, um, but has come and has invested. Again, before there was an AOX, whenever there was just a group of people trying to follow Jesus together, John would come and just impart from his heart and share from his heart about what it looks like to look at Jesus. And my life has been so impacted by his walk with God. Uh, and then for the last 14 years, I've been tracking with with Guy and with his wife, Nancy. And his, if there's ever been a champion um, for our marriage and for our ministry, like, that has fought for us and has been with us through hard times and has celebrated the good times, I've been so appreciative of Guy and Nancy. And I say this without reservation, like, I want to be like Guy when I grow up. Like, I want, I want to be... Um, there's something when you walk into a room and there's something there... And all I can tell you is sometimes whenever I'm around certain leaders and the way they carry themselves, I feel this big. But leaders I love being around are those who make others feel like champions. Like, you know, the whole old saying, like, if you want to kill giants, hang out with giant killers. Well, there's another place that there's those who make giant killers because they just, they see the God deposit in someone and say, I want to I find out what God's purpose is for your life and go after that. And I feel like, as we have built relationship with the Clays and with John and with Guy, with uh, Joey and Debbie really planned on being here tonight, and they were they are going through a, a pretty crazy transition, and they ended up um, announcing today that they'll be stepping away from their church in Pittsburgh to pioneer some things. And so he called, like, Monday. He's like, bro, I just found out it's happening now. So, like, uh, they wish they could be here, and something came up forever tonight. But these are our families that have been faithful. And so the purpose of tonight... What we want to do is, obviously, we're not going to all just get up and preach long sermons or anything, but, like, there is a value in having time with spiritual moms and dads. And so we'll see exactly. We're just going to trust Holy Spirit. And what I've asked from these guys, and I say that including Lisa and Adrian, what I've, what I've asked is, like, if there's specific things that God has put into their hearts for our community or just what they sense God is saying right now, but we're just going to start there. And... How many of you were here whenever Guy and Everett and John were here about a year and a half ago? Raise your hand. It was just such a meaningful um, moment in our community, and we're not trying to make that happen again. But we're recognizing there was something holy about getting together. The, the scriptural word would be like a presbytery. It's just like it's a, it's a council of elders, a council of overseers. And so we're just positioning our hearts tonight to hear from you guys. I mean, Adrian and I are sitting up here because we want to host you well. But, like, we want to just make space to hear. So let's pray. I know we've done that a couple times. But we're just, I'm going to join with Cody's prayer. And would you just, would you put your hands on your hearts again? Just by faith, God, would you come in, like, with laser-like accuracy, Holy Spirit, would you speak? I pray that the prophetic would be unlocked anytime that needs to happen, God, for just practical words of wisdom to be released. And as we take time to just posture, this, I just feel like hear the word posture. As we humble ourselves and posture ourselves to, to listen and receive, we trust you. God, I pray that this would be a holy moment for every person in the room. You don't waste anything. 
So God, I know you've already gotten to share some already this week, but I just feel like the Lord was already speaking to you. So I'm gonna, we're going to start down there with you, and then we don't have to go all in order all the time. But like, if there's just any initial thoughts, we'll kind of work that way. Very simply, um, we bathed this night and my whole trip up here in prayer uh, because Cornerstone loves you. You have a spiritual family in St. Petersburg that respects you, honors you, walks with you. And so our intercessors have been praying, and especially um, my, my brother Peter, who was here with me the first part of the week, we, we really heard God say three things, and I'm not going to say it at length. I'm just going to remind you, because sometimes Holy Spirit keeps repeating when he wants to make sure it goes in deep. There is a raining down of peace the word for me, for you, this, this whole week has been peace. And God wants to rain down his peace and let you experience the reign of the Prince of Peace. And that first happens personally through comfort. There are points when <clears throat> it's just like everything's going haywire and you need to know that in the boat of your life, Jesus is there. And if you lay down next to him, there is rest and peace and it's okay. You'll be safe. There is peace that brings comfort. We also talked about the fact the peace that comes when all of a sudden you're given a great commission and it's much bigger than you could ever do. And there's a, an immediate sense of appropriate humility. Oh, God, I can't do that. Don't even know how to start that. And at that moment, the peace of God comes. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you. That's not just about comfort. That is courage to move into the calling. And so there is peace for comfort. There is peace for courage. And we are never looking for a simple, easy life. We're looking for the adventure that God has called us to. And the other one that has just really um, been touching us, and Peter and I, we really prayed into this. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. Um, it's so real, all we do is open our hand to take it and to seize it and to grab it. And yet, oftentimes in our lives, we can't grab the kingdom of God because we're holding on to a bunch of our own stuff. And so last night, don't forget the power of the open hand. It's much better than a clenched fist. This is guy controlling things. This is guy making sure that things work out right. I cannot grab the kingdom when Guy has a clenched fist holding on to his own stuff. So the moment I open my hand and surrender, I can seize the kingdom. And the verse that uh, Jesse quoted just a few moments ago, part of the violence in seizing the kingdom is sometimes there's a struggle going on between Guy and God about what I'm going to let go of so I can grab a hold of the kingdom. And so whatever level of violence there needs to be in your life to open your hand instead of living with a clenched fist, that open hand can seize the kingdom. And Jesus said, make the kingdom of God your priority, your first concern. That word in the Greek means there's nothing else that's even a close second. The kingdom of God. It's why we live and breathe and move. And so whatever we have to do, however we have to fight, uh, Holy Spirit will help you with that violent um, conflict, that getting rid of those barriers, fighting that battle to let go so you can grab hold. Make the kingdom of God your primary concern.
everything else then falls into place. I don't. Ha- I didn't come with anything specific, but as Cody was sharing, um, there was a quote that just was right there, and it's by a missionary by the name of Jim Elliot. And you were talking about: Are we fool, foolish? Are we crazy to be in Grove City? Are we crazy? Should I be pursuing other things? What are we doing? Other people are questioning things. And Jim Elliott was a missionary, and he eventually became a martyr. And the quote um, that pierced my heart that he said as a young adult, he said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. There are things in life that the world says we need to pursue, but in the end, we can't hang on to them. Everything goes back into the toy box. Right. We can't keep it except for the things that are of the kingdom of God that the world doesn't value anyway. So he is no fool. She is no fool. I guess that's the word for this community that who gives up what they can't hold on to. And that represents all the values and the fleeting pleasures and values of this world to give those things up in order to gain those things which you cannot lose, which is the kingdom of God, which is the person of Christ, his kingdom, his righteousness, his rule and reign in you. And you guys are doing that in the very, where other communities, you're doing that in a a very intentional way with spiritual family. That is very unusual and very um, peculiar. and I say peculiar because that's a scriptural word, that the, that the people of God are peculiar people in this world system. Yes. Well, I wasn't going to say that, uh, guy, but, you know, I wasn't going to bring that up. But embrace the peculiarity of it. Embrace the, not in an in a arrogant way, but in a humble way. And just dialogue with Jesus about that when those questions of, are we on the right track? Or what are we doing here in Grove City when it just seems so foolish so peculiar. Mike's coming everywhere. Are you? That's cool. I just want to say uh, we're so thankful to be here. I'm just filled with joy to be in your presence and to be able to share um, share this time with you. And um, when I met Brad and met Adrian and um, Abigail, just immediately our hearts connected, and there's just such a love and a respect and an honor. Uh, for who they are in God and just for the authenticity that they walk in. So just wanted to say that it's good to be in your presence. Some of you we've met before. It's great to see you guys again. Um, And the worship, oh, my goodness, it was so pure, just pure. And uh, you make it easy to get to the face of God. So thank you for the purity of worship. And um, as I've been sitting here, as I've been just here this evening, one of the things that God would have me to encourage you in, particularly the younger generation, is this, that um, you know how you can have a lot of priorities in life and you try to to get your priorities, like I got to prioritize this, this, this. God says that within your priorities to make sure you always identify the first. You can have a lot of priorities and you can have let's say five things that are a priority, but if you don't identify what the first is, it's going to be an issue and it's still not going to work out. You'll, you'll end up struggling in ways um, unnecessarily. But if you identify the first, that God is my first, that my first priority is my relationship with God and keep that as um, just, just something that is so dear and so near and precious to you that you don't allow anything else to take first place. So when, when the scripture says in, in, what is it, Matthew 6, 33, to seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all other things will be added unto you. Or even when it talks about in Revelations 2, when uh, John is writing these letters, the seven letters to the churches of Asia Minor, and he says in the first letter to Ephesus, which is in Revelations chapter 2, um, he says to Ephesus, I see your works. You've done a lot of great things, but I've got this issue with you that you left your first love. You left your first love. And he ends up giving them a promise because for all of the churches, those seven churches, he says, you know, this is my issue with you. But to each of them, he says, if you will yield and if you um, overcome in this area, if you will succeed and if you will offer me the thing that I'm desiring of you, then I give you this promise. And so to the church of Ephesus, what he says to them is if you return to your first love, then what I promise you is that I'll give you again the opportunity, the chance, and the right to eat from the tree of life. So he puts them back in, garden, in the Garden of Eden. He says you get the chance to eat from the tree of life when your first love remains your first love. When your first remains your first. When God is your first. And he makes that point over again even in the, the uh, greatest commandments when they ask him, you know, well, of all the commandments, what are the greatest? And he says first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Second is to love your neighbor as yourself. But he, he's saying also that order matters because to love the Lord your God with all your heart, that being first, is what enables you to love others. It's what enables you to have these relationships intact as long as the first remains the first. So I just encourage you. And to you, Cody, and to so many of you that may be struggling with the, you know, God, I want to know, I want to know. I say to you what I always teach our worship team, and that is, you know, it, it, it's like I used to when I was growing, and, and not that I'm all the way there, I'm still growing in Christ, but as I was really immature in Christ, I would always try to stop doing the wrong thing and stop doing, you know, I would like wear myself out just trying to put myself in check. And one day the Holy Spirit, Spirit said to me, when you go into a dark room, do you try to get darkness out? by getting the darkness out. And I said, no. He said, how did you get darkness out of a room if it's a dark room? I said, I turn on a light. And he said, well, learn to do that in your life. Just turn on a light. And you're fighting. You're wearing yourself out trying to get darkness out. My God. As opposed to just turn on the light. Turn on the light. And so that I, I just say that to you. And one of the ways he gave that to me to teach our worship team is to simply build your spirit. You know how we are created as a spirit. We're placed in a body, and we're given a soul to possess who we truly are as spirit. And so you have to intentionally build your spirit. The world gives so much to you that will edify, will build, will appeal to your soul. Well, remember, Adam was created spirit, but when he ate of the fruit he sinned, he became a living soul. He was never meant to be a living soul. He was meant to live as spirit and possess his soul. But because he fell, his soul, he just became a living soul. And so thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ for, you know, the truth that we now can be awakened again in our spirit. And we can be who God created us to be. But you have to intentionally do that which builds your spirit. Intentionally take in the word of God. Intentionally spend time with God. Not just doing all the talking, but taking time to be still in his presence and just let him do what he wants to do. Take time intentionally to build your spirit. And what you'll find is that things that you struggle to know, 
the soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, the soul cannot tell you the will of God. Only your spirit knows the will of God. And God speaks spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, to spirit. So they, they that worship God must worship in spirit. That's a small s. It's, it's the essence of who we are, spirit and truth, not soul and truth, but spirit and truth. So That's learning how to keep That's my good. spirit built up so that I am able to pick up the sense, the, 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 um, the whispers of God so that I can hear those signals because he speaks those to my spirit. So if I keep my spirit healthy, I find that I don't have to struggle. Like, God, what is your will? What is your will? I can hear my spirit is able to receive that. And you'll see it in John 14. As much as we read, you know, John 14 is a scripture. I mean, the, the verses that talk about I go to prepare a place for you and, you know, be not, um, let your heart not be troubled, believe in God, believe in me. It starts out like that. But there are two places, three places in that scripture where they say to Jesus, tell us a particular thing. And he says, you know, and they say, we don't know. And this is maybe a couple of years ago. God said what I was telling them, you know, God was given revelation of that scripture. And Jesus, they say to him, show us the way. And he says, you know the way. And they say, how can we know? He says, you know. And then another place is like Thomas, Peter. It's Thomas and Peter having this dialogue. It's all of them there, but you hear Thomas and Peter's response. And at one point, they say, show us the Father. And he said, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And they say, no, show us the Father. So they're telling him they don't know something, and he's telling them, yes, you do. Wow. Wow. You know the way. You know the Father. You've seen the Father. And what he's saying is that that revelation is in your spirit. But right then, they were still functioning out of their soul. So they couldn't get that he was telling them that there's something that's in them that the Father is saying that they know. They just have to be able to get to it. And you can only get to it when your spirit is built up. And so I'm just saying to each one, and I try to do that myself all of the time, intentionally build my spirit. Because when God gave that revelation, I had to say to God, God, okay, if you're saying in this scripture there's something that their spirit knows that they don't even know that they know, that you can actually have something in you and not know that it's there. And I just begin to say, God, show me, Father, show me what it is that I know. Reveal to me what I don't even know is in me. Reveal to me. Show me what I know. You know, but that I don't even know that I know. I don't even know I know it. But show me what my spirit knows. And so I just would say to each one, continue to build your spirit. And it has to be intentional. The world offers what, what, what appeals to your soul. And they call it entertainment a lot of times. But you've got to be specific and careful about what you allow in. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. And I mean, just, just be intentional about building your spirit. Wow. God, anything we believe about you or us... Uh, that is not what you believe about us or about you. God, by your kindness, lead us to change the way we think. That's so important. Guys, we, there's something beautiful about being humble to say, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think I'm really convicted. Sometimes we say, I don't know, because we haven't been listening to what he says we know. Mm. And it's easy. It's like we never want to allow false humility. Right? So this... As she's saying that, I think there's times that we say, I don't know, and it's out of a humble heart, but there's also times that we can move in fear or pride and say, I don't know. And we really need to, like, 
Do I, do I know? Is, does he already said, do I know? So we just, just the, whole, to, the purpose of tonight is just, God, by your kindness, show us what you're up to. Thank you. That's so good. Mm, good. Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> yeah, that was, that was a double-fisted word right there. <laughs> you all can see I didn't just marry her for her money. That's right. That's right. That's right. I didn't just marry you for your money. Right, right, right. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I love you guys so much, even those of you that I've never met. I've met you because I met these two, and you're a part of them. And, um, boy, they have been a blessing to yes. my life, and a blessing to Lisa's life, and a blessing to uh, our church family. But, I, I, you know, I tend to see things a lot of time a lot of times in sort of a through an apostolic lens and so I want to talk to you just for a moment about what I'm what I'm sensing and I want to start with uh, my journey when when Lisa and I before Petra was started we were pastoring a denominational church we were uh, I was at a denominational church in the city of Pittsburgh and that church had grown in a phenomenal way. And, Cody, this is so significant for you to hear, okay? Um, this church grew in a phenomenal way. So when I went there, it was maybe about 300 people there, and probably within the first four years, it had grown to about 4,000 people. And it was just, it was growing. It, it, it was just growing in a massive way. <coughs> and when I was pastoring that church, um, I, I, I don't want to say I wasn't saved. I believe that I was saved, but yeah, I was, I was a carnal Christian. I wasn't, I didn't understand intimacy with God. You know, I understood relationship through religion. Okay. And so <clears throat> after like 10 years, the church just kept growing. Um, and after about 10 years, I hit this crisis point where I came into the revelation that I didn't have intimacy with God. I was pastoring all of these people, okay? And so to make a long story short, the Lord said to me, I want you to step away. People couldn't understand why I did that because to people in my world, I represented what they were trying to achieve. They were, they were trying to get there. You, you know what I'm saying? And, um, but the Lord said, I need you to walk away from this. And, and I did that. And <clears throat> there was a guy that I had grown up with. And he lived in Mackinac, Illinois. You ever heard of Mackinac? I doubt anybody in here has ever heard of Mackinac, okay? He lived in Mackinac, Illinois. And he pastored a church of maybe 80 people, okay, maybe 80 people. Now, I want you to sort of get the picture of this. By this time, the church I was pastoring was probably 8,000 people, okay? So I step away from that, and then God says to me, you need to reach out to this guy. So I, I reach out to this guy in Mackinac, Illinois, who was pastoring 80 people, okay? This guy, the Lord used him to totally change my life. The Lord used him to totally 
uh, changed my understanding of the word of God, totally changed my understanding of intimacy with God, totally changed just, you know, my, my whole mindset in terms of church and all of those things came from this guy that you all would never know his name if I called his name. He still is in Mackinac, Illinois, still has about 80 people. But this guy changed my life, okay? As he changed my life, the Lord birthed through us Petra, okay? Through Petra, we planted a church in Tucson, Arizona. Through Petra, we planted a church in Denver, Colorado. Through Petra, we planted a church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Every, every planting that we've been a part of, I've got to always remember that the seed of that was in this guy in Mackinac, Illinois, that was pastoring 80 people. Now, why do I take time to say that? Because what he understood, he understood that God had purposed him as, as a kind of birthing center, an apostolic hub out of which uh, he would be able to send forth men and women of God that would touch the world, okay? This place is like that. It's like that. This is, this is a birthing center, and it's so important that you, that you embrace. You know, we talk a lot about identity, and how important it is for people to understand, you know, their identity in Christ. But it's important for local assemblies to understand their identity as well, okay? You have to understand what your calling is here, why you're put here, and what God wants to do through you. When you look at someone like a Jasmine that will touch the world, she, this is her birthing place. You, you see what I'm saying? You look at somebody like a David who is going to touch the world, okay? This, that's because this is like a womb that God has created, and it's so important for you guys to value it and to embrace the identity of that because it will change the way that you see yourselves as a local assembly. This is, this is not an insignificant place in the kingdom of God. This is a major place. This is a major womb. And God desires to birth out of this house sons and daughters that will be transformative to the entire world. So I, I just, you know, you're looking at someone who I don't, you know, because of the way God has taken me, like, <laughs> I don't size and, you know, how big the town is and, and you know, we laughed about Mackinac, huh? Yeah, but Mackinac changed us. You know, it changed us. It's an experience that we will cherish forever. And, um, you know, it's why even in terms of, um, you know, Brad is in this place where it's like he's, God is trying to bring even greater clarity to what this looks like as a birthing center, as an apostolic hub. And tonight was significant in the declaration of the eldership. 
that was important because some of what we get nervous about is we don't want to we don't want to start locking into these religious titles and and but on the same token there's significance yeah, to those titles and there's significance you know to to God's order and some of what the Lord is doing yeah. now yeah. he's he sort of got you in this place where there's a I don't transformation is the word but I, it's the wrong word but it's it's as though God is saying, I'm bringing even greater definition now to this calling that's upon your life, which is going to mandate that you raise sons and daughters that now become moms and dads. And so for some of you that are in here, the challenge that you're dealing with right now is that you're stuck at brother and sister mode. And God is saying, I'm trying to bring you into mom and dad mode. Okay. And so um, as God does that, then, you know, God begins to birth these sons and daughters that he shapes into moms and dads, and it's going to free. Because this house, the, the, the passion in you for these um, simple churches, that was, that was put there by Holy Spirit. That wasn't something you laid it night and said, I'd love to do this. God impregnated you with that. And God is going to do that. And you're, you're seeing it already in terms of, but you're not seeing it to the degree that it's getting ready to happen. It's getting ready to happen on a whole different level, which is why God's got to do a quick thing in terms of maturing and bringing many of your sons and daughters into that next level of maturity. Because some of them are going to be the planting, and then some of them are going to be stabilizing to this place while God does what he's doing with you. So I hope I didn't talk too long there. There was an anointing on what he just said, that there was an anointing on that because that whole thing of Abba, sons and daughters, and then become dads and moms, and then they give birth through the Spirit to sons and daughters, and then the sons and daughters become the next generation of dads and moms, that is absolutely a word from Holy Spirit. And, and may I say that we, we are, I'm sure I can speak for all of us in saying that just being in your presence, we recognize that we are in the presence of greatness. We sense it in you and we pray that you know the greatness that's in you and that you continue on to continue getting revelation of how great God has made you. But we know that we're in the presence of greatness when we're in your presence. We just pray that you know that you sense what we sense and that you sense the greatness that um, God has put within you. And it's a journey of discovery, um, discovering what God has put in you. I'm 57 years old and I'm still discovering what God has put in me. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm um, when I was 30, I thought this age was old. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's not feeling bad at all. It's feeling great. You know, I'm loving it. I like getting older. I have some, I have some friends that will say, you know, that are my age, and they'll say, well, I'm staying at 30. You know, I'm staying at this. I'm saying, you all stay here. Keep staying. You know, I want to keep it moving. 
So I like getting older. I'm loving, yeah, I'm loving getting older. Uh, you know, I've been there like 20s and 30s, been there once, done it once, was enough. It was cool, it was great while it lasted, but I want to keep it moving, you know what I mean? So um, I'm just saying to you, that it's a journey of discovering, and I'm still discovering things, but it, it, it's one thing to finish your course. It's another thing, like Paul said, I finished my course. He says it twice in scripture, but one time he says, I finished my course, but another time he says, I finished my course with joy. Yeah. And God says, that's important. It's one thing to finish your course. It's another thing to finish your course with joy still intact. And you're happy about it, you know, and it's not just out of obedience or drudgery, or, but it's like the joy of discovering and the joy of discovering who God has made you to be and the joy of discovering what he's put in you. And just when you think this is it, this is who I am, God says, no, there's more. So he says, you know how we say that we, we quote the scripture in John 8, 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And one time I asked God, well, how come, you know, we're like, we're believing you, but we're not all free. And he said, well, read the verse before. And the verse before says, if you continue in my word, then you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. So you can't get stuck. You've got to continue. And so as you continue the journey and continue discovering what God has put in you, there's a joy in that. And you just got to continue this journey and enjoy Enjoy the, the, the uh, journey, enjoy the journey, enjoy the discovery, and know that God's got you. He wants you happy. He wants you blessed. He has already decreed a word over your life, and it shall, it shall come to pass. But whatever you do, don't get stuck. Don't put a period where a comma belongs. So whatever you know about you right now, there's more. There's more. Whatever you know yourself to be, there's more. There's more. So just, you know, continue. And if you continue in his word, you will know the truth. The truth will make you free. And God says, as you are on this discovery, make sure you don't lay joy aside and think you have to choose between revelation and joy. Don't you have to choose. Continue on this journey and finish your course with joy. But enjoy the journey. Wow. How's your posture? Good? Check everybody, check your postures. Just check your postures, good. God wants to speak some stuff to us tonight. He is speaking some stuff to us tonight. I want to talk for just a second about when I met the Clays, because I think it's relevant to, uh, I think, where the Holy Spirit wants to take us tonight. Um, we met a couple years ago um, at a conference, just very briefly, Nick and Trudy, uh, Manzo had connected us, and we just said hello and met. I, and I, just being around them, I thought, oh, I really like them. I really like them. Um, but a few months later, we got together. And um, in the summer, late spring, early summer of 2016, I, I found myself in a, in a meeting with uh, Donald, and we were just talking about where culture is at. I think that it's important for us to um, understand why a place that God has put in our hearts that we would, you know, our, our mission as a, as a church, disciple, equip, and release sons and daughters of the king to impact every sphere of society for the glory of God. But yet what God has continuously brought us back to is how do we follow Jesus together? And whenever we first started, I was casting vision. I thought, you know, people will come and be here for a year year and a half, and then we're going to send them out. And even when we cast vision and God gave us this building, I remember, I don't think, Gabe, maybe you do remember, I don't think you got the word about making it 
a home before it can become a hub until after we already had like secured the space. And so like we're casting vision for this prayer and missions base. And it's almost as soon as it gets done, Gabe gets this word. It's like before it can become a hub, it has to be a home. And I feel like for the last seven years, we've been learning the foundations of family. And I look up sometimes, and I see that map up there. And I think about the places in culture. And I think about things that are in some of your hearts. And it's like, when are we going to go do it? When are we going to get out of this building and go do it? And it's like, we haven't lost, I don't think we've lost the fire for that, but we've been learning how to love each other. And there's been as many misses as there have been hits. <coughs> but the call is like, it's been there all along, but the call to love each other deeply with purity. And I remember sitting in, in, in the office, I remember sitting with you, and we're talking about the chaos that's happening in culture. We're talking about the generation that's coming behind us. We're talking about all these things. And I felt like my heart felt so knit together with you. We're talking about sexuality. We're talking about ethnicity. We're talking about all these things. I'm like, man, this guy's got a perspective. Little did we know at that time what was coming in the elections. And the division that would come into our nation. And something I think is striking and fitting for tonight and specifically in praying for Gabe and Eliza is that God's call to see his people function in purity as family is not disconnected from the ache that is in the heart of culture. And sometimes it can seem like there are more significant things that we could go do and God is like calling us into this hidden place where some of you are paying a price. Jesus said, people are going to misunderstand what you're doing, but I want you to hear from these people. I asked Adrian, by the way, to just take it from Adrian. I said, Adrian, do you have anything? She says, not now. <laughs> when she does, you'll know, and then we'll go home. <laughs> some of you guys have been in these meetings. You know, we'll talk like, couple will come over, they'll talk for like an hour and a half, and then I'll recap everything they said for three hours. <laughs> and then we'll just look at Adrian, and Adrian will say one thing. We're like, okay, that's it. That's what God's doing today. Okay. <laughs> so I just wanted you to know I wasn't taking the mic from her. But I want us to talk a little bit about, like, what you guys are saying. Guys, there's a place in humility God wants to take us to tonight, but it's going to require walking with courage through what has felt like pride. Because there is something... There is something significant that God's doing, not just in us as individuals. That's a generic thing. God has a great plan and purpose for every person he created. Do you believe that? Mm -hmm. But there's something strange and peculiar that he's inviting us into. Mm -hmm. And I think that like some of these words, as we, if we posture our hearts, there will be a call to walk in humility that turns into boldness. Because it's not that we need to think highly of ourselves, but if we don't understand what God's calling and identity is, we won't be able to steward it. So can we just talk a little bit about why in the midst of a culture that feels like it's going crazy, where it seems like the generations are divided. I love If Joey were here, one of the things I love Joey has said is like there is no generation gap, there's just broken family. In the midst of a broken culture, like why is what God's, invited us to do in this little town 
How many of you dreamed of growing, living in Grove City when you grew up? Raise your hand. Please Thanks, John. Jesus. Good. One. I don't know all the details, guys, but listen, there's something significant to this. God, help us, help us catch this. In order for Jesus to come from Nazareth, someone who was of royal lineage had to go there. Can any good thing come from Nazareth? Can any good thing come from Grove City? There's a place of confident humility God wants to call us into. And so can you guys talk a little bit about why, not just for AOX, but why what God is speaking to the church and why this little, somebody said earlier this week about an incubator, why this little incubator is important, not to, guys, can we hear this in a way that's not to puff us up, but to help us understand the weight of what God's inviting us into? Does that make sense? Does that make, okay, that was kind of, like, I got a couple, does that make sense? Because I don't want to go beyond that. Because this is not about just this group of people. This is something God's doing in his, in his people, right? So you can talk about that a little bit, why the significance of family is in the midst of a broken culture. The verse that comes to my mind wasn't necessarily connected to family, but it was connected to the peculiar. Paul just said to, I think it was the Corinthians, one of the churches, he said, remember what you were, remember who you were when you were called. You were the weak, you were the foolish, you were the castaways, you were the ones that our culture that worships, you know, other things, you know, things that have fleeting value, you didn't represent those things. So there's something in the heart of God that there is great delight and joy that he chooses the weak, the foolish, the things that the world sees as insignificant, um, that he loves. Jesus said, Father, I praise you because you've hidden him from the wise, you know, but you've, you've given it to the children. You've given it to small children, my followers, you know, and that's, there's just something in the heart of God that loves that because he loves the dependency of weak sons and daughters, mothers and fathers that are continually drawing out of him all that they need to do what he's called them to do. And so um, that's just the one thought I, that I have. And we spend much of our lives probably um, not understanding that. But Jesus just said he was the most dependent. He said, I can't do anything by myself. His humility just he he delighted in his dependence on on the Lord. And um, so when you feel weak, when you feel dependent, when you feel, um, you know, that tension, um, I don't know, there's something there that's Jesus is, he's deeply humble, but he's also embodies power and strength. And he's both and, he's not either or. He's, he's the ruler of the nations and he's going to come as the ruler of the nations, but he also came as a weak, tiny baby, you know, as a weak, dependent infant. And so he's both and, he's not either or, and we don't have to choose. Uh, the, the big call and the, the, the ache in culture um, versus this formation and this incubator and this, this womb that he's placed you in, There's, it's both and, so. I just, I, I keep seeing three words just flash on the screen in front of my mind as we reflect on why at this Kairos moment, why at this season God has gathered us for this time? And the first one is the word affirmation. God has sent spiritual moms and dads into your house to say, we affirm what God is doing in you. 
and we celebrate what God's doing. And we've even chastised you just a little bit about how you can sometimes get lost in this place and not realize what God is doing here. And so we have affirmed it, and then we've called out of you an ability to say, yes, God is in our midst. The second thing I feel like I see the word safe. Um, spiritual moms and dads that are committed to spiritual sons and daughters create an atmosphere that is safe because encouragement can be spoken and then correction can be spoken. And there is a mutuality and a reciprocity where we say we give ourselves to you. And in giving ourselves to you, and we represent people and churches and intercessors, and it's not just us. Um, Cornerstone is here with you. I'm sure Petra is here with you. And so the reality is, if you were looking for God to say, I'm giving you a safe place, that's why he's brought this weekend. And then the word challenge comes up because all weekend long, I've been hearing God say, it's time and it's the season to say yes with a whole new passion and in a whole new way. And that's where I finally get to what Brad asked me to say just a moment ago. There is a redefining and a revelation that needs to come to our world of what the church is and what family is. And um, don't know why God has called us. I don't know why God and his wisdom chose us. But it's been bubbling up out of, I, I don't know how long for some of us, but for Brad, this has been a 14-year bubble job. I mean, it just keeps flowing. It keeps flowing. We're not stupid. We know what the world often thinks when they hear the word church. And yet we have refused to give it up. We're holding on to it. It's biblical. The church is the bride of Christ. We love the church. We will not allow darkness or our culture to define the church in such a way that it's not the beauty of a bride awaiting the bridegroom. We also are smart enough to realize that family is often a watchword for dysfunction in our culture. People are sometimes just absolutely scared of the word family. It's like you hear it and you run the other direction because you've been in one. And you've known the dysfunction of one. And so God is speaking to you and to us, and he's giving us this season and the power of Holy Spirit, a revelation that will allow our culture to see his view of church and family. And that's something that I'm willing to invest my life in. I love what Lisa said a moment ago. I don't know how much better it's going to get, but when I hit 50, this has been the best decade of my life. I almost can't wait till next year in the 60s start because um, there was something about the 50s that was just, it was sweet. So that's encouraging to you that are young. Don't dread it. It's coming, and it's going to be better and better and better. And there's going to be opportunities for us to say yes, 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 and amen to a revelation to our culture about what family is and what church is. That's so good. I, You know, I, boy, it, you know, <laughs> I just, I really think God is saying some things. I'm, you know, I think that... Um, just that recognition of who God says you are and 
celebrating that and embracing that, not from the standpoint of arrogance or, or being puffed up, but, you know, when you study the issue of pride in the scripture, most people think that pride is simply an arrogance, uh, you know, being puffed up. But when you listen to the scripture, God makes a distinction between pride and arrogance. And the reason is because when God is talking about pride, he's talking about us carrying a sense of we, we are not being received, affirmed, or seen in the way that we think we should be affirmed or seen. Do you understand what I'm saying when I'm saying that? So pride can be thinking too highly of yourself, but pride also is thinking too lowly of yourself. That's pride. Okay? Because when you have low self-esteem, you're saying God didn't give to you something that he gave to this person over here or to that person there. So the concept of pride is not just an arrogance. It's when you are not seeing the power that's in you. I, well, when that word came for you that there's a line in, in you, man, I just heard, like, it was like the heavens started roaring. Because there is, there's a lion, there's a lion in you. And, you know, some of what God is trying to do in this season, he's trying to get us to truly see who we are and celebrate that, you know, embrace that. This, you know, when Lisa said we're honored to be here because we're in the presence of greatness, you know, my wife is not like, She's not a stroker. She's not like the kind of person, you know what I'm saying? She's not like the kind of person that's going to give flattery or false comments. She's saying that because she prophetically senses who you are. And all of us that are up here, we can sense who you are. We can also sense that you don't know who you are. Not yet. But God is bringing you into an awareness of who you are. And it's only when you're able to see the fullness of that that you can, you can then begin to release the fullness of the ministry that's in you and begin to impact culture in the way that you're designed to impact it. I just wanted to say, I think that you said that this is peculiar in the sense of you don't see, re, you know, the relationship that uh, Brad and Adrian have, have laid the foundation for, for the people that are in this, the family that they've created. You don't see that everywhere. There are a whole lot of churches, okay? But there are very few um, local assemblies that are truly family. That is so precious. It is so valuable. And that, to me, is the church that God is trying to raise up and say to the wider culture, this is what my family truly looks like. He's not trying to raise up, you know, we got, you know, the choir robes and we got the ushers and we got, you know, we're doing the church thing. We got all that. That's not what he's after in this season. What he's after is to raise up a people that truly reflect his family. And you guys are reflecting that. You don't know how you've impacted me. I mean, you all have had a profound impact on my life. And... 
I'm not just talking about the two of them, but I'm talking those of, you know, those of you that I've been able to connect with through the different things that we've done together. It's like you have impacted me in a phenomenal way. And that's the way that you impact everybody you come in contact with. But, you know, sometimes you don't recognize how you're impacting them. So I just realized that every one of those five couples that I've talked with have shared some similar things. Start with John. Um, John is one of the best teachers I've ever heard. Whenever I would sit in Pleasant Valley and I would weep listening to him. And I would think, God, like, I would be frustrated because the church didn't know how to receive what he was sharing. And John could have positioned himself in a place. He said, I just want to follow Jesus. And he follows Jesus he can follow Jesus as a pastor, as a teacher, or as a graphic designer. And John is like chosen to say, I am not going to pursue the thing that would give me the greatest notoriety. I'm going to pursue the one. You heard Guy's story last night. He's pastored mega churches. He could have made some easy adjustments on the outside. He was pastoring one of the motherships of the denomination. And he said, no, thank you. I can't give up the real thing. So if you've not met Joey and Debbie yet, if you only knew what Joey and Debbie could have just made some little tweaks and stepped into, you would understand that, that like, this is not something we're just wrestling with here in Grove City. I've had conversations and I've watched my friends. You've already heard him talk about leaving a church of 8,000. For the sake of something real with Jesus. I've watched, I've watched this couple. Make choices for Jesus and to pursue what's real that has led them away from things that everybody else is trying to get to. And as I'm listening and I'm thinking about some of the conversations I've had with you and about like what are we doing? Like this is not something that only happens for people in their 20s in Grove City. There is a decision, God, are you worth everything? Yeah. Mm. Am I willing to lose my life for you? Gabe and I were having a conversation a few years ago that was, I think, impactful for me, I think impactful for him, where we realized it's so easy to pursue the best of God's principles and end up with a life so full of his blessing that it's impossible to then lay it down. That is a Western church mindset of what you get if you come to the club. Come follow Jesus, and here's what you'll get. You'll get a great marriage, and you'll have great kids, and you'll get a good job with God's financial blessing. Like, listen, come and die. That was pretty nice, though, man. Yeah. I sort of like that. It's like that. Listen, come. First, yeah, come and see. That's what Jesus said, come and see. Then he says, come follow me. And then he says, come and join me in my death so that you can have a share in my life. Paul says, I may know you, the fellowship of your suffering. And it's not that our lives need to be miserable, but like, do you understand, like, I'm honored to have people who have been willing to say, like, to you, they're not just talking about something that they're saying, oh, you guys are so cute. Look at you here at Grove City. You're so cute. This is nice. You're following Jesus together. No, it's like people who have already said yes with a cost. Encouraging you where you are 
to say yes with a cost. I remember the first time I had that feeling, Lisa, you talked about at Allegheny College. I think it was 2005. I looked up, and there was only about 20 people in the room. I looked up, and I thought, what do you say to a room full of people who are going to change the world? And I feel like I, I live that now. I live that sense of, like, what am I doing? Yeah. You know? Are there any questions that as they're talking about stuff, is there anything that you feel like would be helpful for you to be able to hear from them on specifically on these first areas where we've been talking? Because I want to make sure that we do more than just hear good sound bites. I want us to get deep in our hearts. Bear and then Anna. good. <laughs> Guy, we're all looking at you. I'm not 100% sure I understand the question, so I'm trying to understand the question a little bit better. Are you, so are you asking more about seeing others through God's eyes? Yes. So, okay. so, so let me think of it just this way. In the sense of growing from the brother and sister, because we see, you definitely, how many of you recognize you see, okay, parents, how many of you know you see your siblings different than you do your children, right? Okay? So in a place of maturity, that can feel frightening if all you've ever known is the sibling thing. How do we mature? Because I think it's important to know there's a, there is a maturing process. It's not just like, I think I'll be a dad tomorrow. Like there's a, yeah. I, Lord said, yeah. I remember one time I looked at my spiritual father, Floyd McClung, and I asked almost that same question. Um... I want to father people the way you fathered me. How do I learn to do that? And Floyd um, always said there was a knowledge component. There was an, an understanding and a growing in our appreciation for Scripture. And he said, get Larry Kreider's book, The Cry for Spiritual Mothers and Fathers, and read that book and digest it. And so there's a content piece. He also told me, walk in that understanding and walk in that revelation with a group of people. They may be small at first. We dismantled our elder and deacon structure and began to call our leaders spiritual moms and dads, and they had to go through the content component, but then there had to be opportunities for them to live out the content in actual relationships, and then we sharpened each other by speaking encouragement and correction uh, we cried together, we prayed together, we began to see that 
the only way we could actually live out the mandate of Scripture, which is pretty clear. I mean, Larry Kreider just copied the New Testament, put it there all together where we could see it and actually understand the role of spiritual moms and dads. But when he, when he put that there together, there's this sense in which Holy Spirit breathes life into that. And if we're living in a community that calls that out of us, and that's a shared core value, suddenly content becomes lifestyle, and then there's a sense of openness to let Holy Spirit give that life and power. I may have shared this story here before. I can't remember, but um, I can repeat myself because I'm a grandpa, so forgive me. So um, when I, one of the things that kept me sharp when I was pastoring people was I kept bumping into people that frustrated me all the time. And one morning I was prayer walking, and I was complaining. I literally, Bear was complaining to the Lord about these people that literally felt like thorns in my side. And... Um, the Lord knew exactly what he was doing, and he placed me exactly where he wanted me amongst people that were very frustrating to me personally. It wasn't about them. It was about me. And as I was complaining, as I was prayer complaining to the Lord, it was like I was, uh, I like touched a mother bear's cubs. And I sensed something of the fierceness of the love of God for weak and broken brothers and sisters. And it scared me, but yet it humbled me. And he, the in invitation was, Lord, John, I want, I'm inviting you to love these people like I love them. And I'm inviting you, it, it wasn't exactly like this, but it was like the last time I checked, you didn't shed your blood for these people, and I did. And I personally love them with my life. And what frustrates me, what frustrates you about these brothers and sisters, and some of them were older than me, and they should have been acting differently, but they weren't. What was frustrating me was a divine setup for me to become more like Jesus and to learn how to love brothers and sisters through the agape love that transcends my understanding, is bigger than my frustration. So one way to stay sharp is to be honest and bring your frustrations to Jesus about the people that you are living in community with and be very honest with him and maybe uh, you won't get spanked as hard as I did, but we don't have to fear his discipline because he disciplines us out of love to shape us and correct us. And we don't have to be afraid of his discipline or correction. So stay sh the only way I know is iron sharpens iron. And, and sometimes that hurts and that's frustrating and sparks fly. But you guys have built a safe family environment that you're not afraid of that here. You are not afraid of that at all. Um, but talk to Jesus maybe before you talk to about it with somebody else. Talk to Jesus first. And, and sometimes he puts us in situations that are so frustrating we can't get away from because he's the frustration is for us. And it's as we invite him into those places of frustration, um, he, he corrects, he loves, he molds, he shapes, and he invites. One of the things that I was thinking about, Lisa, um, because this is something that she could, that, that, you know, I guess we've all walked through it, but I just specifically, I started thinking about her. When God is calling us into maturing us into that place of parenting, two things I would say are really important to understand. It's like with these babies, um, when by the time the baby came out, 
the milk was already in the breast. So at the same time that God was bringing the mom into parenthood, at the same time, God was forming in the mom the nutrition that the mom would need to feed and grow the baby. So the fact that God is saying, I'm bringing you into this place, he's also producing those spiritual nutrients that are going to enable you to be effective parents. It comes with the baby. Okay? It comes with the baby. But then the other thing that is important to understand is, I think for all of us, we go through a season where we have to embrace our calling before others do. So the reason I was making the point is you have to learn how to parent people that don't see themselves as your sons or daughters. And that's, you know, it's like having a child that, you know, well, you ain't my daddy. You know what I'm saying? So you have to go through that season where you learn how to to parent in the midst of that resistance where people are not responding in the way that they should. But in that season, what God is trying to do is to solidify your identity and bring you to a place where you're confident in your calling. Does that? that, So I want to actually try to quickly, I want you to think about this in terms of some practicals, right? Sons and daughters who are confident in their sonship and their daughterhood make the best moms and dads, right? So first thing, practice sonship. Practice sonship. Second thing, don't rush becoming a, a father. Enjoy being a brother. Know you're a son. Practice being the best brother you can be. There is a danger right now, the more the, the language of family is getting put, put around in the midst of an orphan culture, this is something we've talked about a lot, there's not just an orphan spirit, there's a bastard spirit. And the bastard spirit looks to, for legitimacy in our relationships. And so I think it's really important that we understand that our identity doesn't come because we're a spiritual mom or dad. Mm-hmm. Our identity is set in the fact that we belong to God, right? But then we, we learn it's okay to be a brother. I learned my dad got sick whenever my little sister was young. And so a lot of the things that he did for me, I needed to do for my sister. And like, I learned so much practically about the things that engaging, but I wasn't my sister's father. I just got to learn and grow up in that. Does that make sense? Okay. And then if you will take that and combine it with what he just talked about, like there is a sense we don't get pregnant today and give birth tomorrow. And so that is God's wisdom, right? And it's like, oh, I think I'd like to be a dad tomorrow. I think I'd like to be a mom. Like it doesn't work that way. There is a process of development. But in the midst of that process of development, that by the time that that, that baby is born, then there is a, um, there's the, the, the provision for it. Hey, we're going to take Anna's question, and then we're going to pray. So I know, like, it's been raining outside. Let's pray. I actually want to pray real quick. Uh, some people who have left are left because there's flooding between here and Elwood City. <laughs> so the people who came to watch the kids, just we'll pray for the DeRosas and for their friends who went. God, we just, we, we know we called for overflow this weekend, but we, <laughs> we were not calling for flooding on the roads. And so, yeah. So God, we just pray, pray safety on the roads for everyone who is traveling right now and for um, everyone who will travel. We thank you for 
um, yeah, for Mark and Corey and the friends from their church that came to help watch the kids. We pray blessing on them. Thank you. We're connected to a body beyond ourselves. And uh, we just pray blessings and safety for them in Jesus' name. Anna, where are you? What's your question, honey? A lot of times God is teaching us um, spiritual principles based on natural examples. And so if you think about your body, you know, like I said, we live in a body. But if you if you think about your body, you eat, um, if you ate a lot of junk food, and I like junk food. I like my favorite food is pizza, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but um, to eat, <laughs> can I hear an amen? Did I hear an amen? Yeah, all right, pizza lovers. All right, all right, all right, we'll talk. But uh, but if you just eat junk food all of the time, what does that do to your body? Yeah, and will you end up, it turns into junk, will you end up with a healthy body? So it's the same way you have to identify health, health food, spiritual health food. And you have to feed your spirit what's healthy for your spirit. And so guard your heart and guard your mind. I'm very careful about what I take in. And so because God gives us the power of definition, you know how Paul says in Romans 12, you know, don't be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So a lot of what happens is that we as a family of God, as a body of Christ, we accept the world's definition of things. And God says, so I always seek to understand, God, your, give me your definition of any, any word. So it could be the word entertainment. What the world calls entertainment, a lot of it, I'm watching that, and it's not entertaining me. It's bothering my spirit. So I had to learn how to identify how some, what, what is something appealing to. Like, as I'm taking it in, what is it appealing to me, to, to within me? Is it appealing to my soul? Is it growing my soul? Or is it appealing to my spirit? And is it growing my spirit? And so I started getting real particular about what I allow to enter in. And it's the same thing. Like, I don't want to sit as much as I like potato chips, as much as I like junk food. I'm not just going to feed my body junk food all day. So I identify what is good for my body versus what's just junky. And so I do the same in the spirit realm. What's good for my spirit? What will ball my spirit up? And so I make sure practically, functionally, functionally, I try to make sure when I wake up that my first thought, God, and, and a lot of it, you know, I went through stages of trying to do it myself, but I had to learn how to put the demand on the Holy Spirit and, you know, give him permission to just, and ask him to help me with certain things. So a simple thing like waking up in the morning, instead of, like, I used to jump up and I could be running late and I'm checking my cell phone, I'm doing all of this, and I have not yet, it could be like 11 o'clock, and I've not yet said, thank you, God, for the breath that you've given me today. And so I made a deal with myself. I said, you will not even reach for a cell phone until you have first thanked God for the breath for the day. So I don't even check. It's like my first has to get established, my first. So my waking moments, and it came from a day years ago when I woke up. I didn't feel like getting up. It had been a late night. I don't feel like getting up, God. And the Holy Spirit said, no problem. I can help you that you never have to get up again. <laughs> <laughs> 
He said, you want to complain? I can make it so you never have to get up, you know? <laughs> you can be done for life. Like, literally, I can take you about here right now. So that taught me, one, never to complain again, never to say things like I'm having a bad day because God said, who made the day? This is the day that the Lord has. He said, I don't make bad days. So don't call days bad. Wow. And so there were particular things. He said, I made every day. You might have challenging days. You might have difficult days, but never call the day bad because I made the day. Um, and so it's that the first thing is waking up in my mind. God, thank you for breath. Thank you for life. Thank you. Just thanking God. And Thanksgiving goes a long way. So my spirit gets stirred just from giving thanks. That's like turning the light on. So in different practical ways, learning how to keep the light on inside, how to turn that light on. Thanksgiving turns the light on. Taking the word of God in turns the light on. Uh, reading the book of Proverbs, but the book of Proverbs helped me greatly because it, it doesn't even mention the word God in the book of Proverbs, not by name. That's the only book that I know of that doesn't. Um, but Proverbs is practical application. It says for anybody that's young that wants to learn wisdom, read the book of Proverbs. And so I started reading Proverbs, and I would just not try to read five chapters a day, but maybe one verse, because it's not written any, like it's not in chronological order or not even in topical order. But it'll give you a sentence that is like, oh God, okay, that's wisdom. And just taking it in. So I take in the word of God, and I ask God for revelation, but I make sure that I'm taking it in. It's not based on getting revelation. And the point I'm saying is, some people will say, I don't read because I don't understand it. And I'm saying, take it in, whether you understand it or not. Take it in. Put it, because it's health for your spirit. It, it causes your spirit to be healthy. So take it in and trust God. Ask the Holy Spirit for understanding and for revelation. But don't use the excuse, I'm not going to take it in because I don't understand it. That's like saying, I'm not going to eat healthy because I don't understand how it's helping my body. Still eat healthy, I'm saying, still eat. So take, take it in, take it in. Um, and, and it's literally that intimacy with God. You can look at your human relationships and you can tell, you can see how did you get intimate with people. There are certain people you're intimate with. Other people you're not at all. And so you can look at what does it take to be intimate with somebody. You know, you have to spend time together. You've got to listen, not just do all the talking. You've got to make sure that you are honest and open. That's the worship in spirit and truth, not trying to perp, not trying to put up pretense, but just to be honest before God. And what I have found, as much time as I love to spend in God's presence talking to him, I have found that he has done more in me when I'm just quiet before him and letting him do what he wants to do when I'm just still before him and allowing him to do the work. And it doesn't take hours every day, but it's that consistent communication. Jesus had consistent communication, not temple communication or um, church. You know, it was, it was life. It was just daily life. Father, I do not want to lose this connection with you. And yeah. so you can find when he's talking to Nicodemus in John 3, he ends up saying to him, um, the one that's talking to you is in heaven. And that would be like me saying, we're talking, but I'm in heaven. I'm in earth talking to you, but I'm in heaven. And what he was saying was, I have not lost my connection. I'm talking to you from home. Yeah. I've not left home, and I'm leaving. I'm not leaving home. I'm not breaking this connection. And so that's what I try to stay connected. And again, it's from just in building my spirit, that connection 
When I'm building my spirit, I don't have to strain my brain in situations like, what to do? What do I do? Like you hear it. You, just, you, you sense the voice of God. You sense communication from God. But when I'm not building my spirit and my soul has gotten stronger, then it's moody. It's up and down. It's like depending on the weather. Do you feel good? Do you feel bad? It's like, oh, no. That's too, too up and down. It's like a roller coaster when your soul is stronger. But when your spirit is the strongest and it puts your soul in check, life is good, even through the challenges. So I would say that. And to the young man that asked the question as it relates to um, just how do you see people and see the God in people. When I was a kid, my dad said to me, and I never forgot it. He said, Lisa, everybody that you'll ever meet in your life, God made them. And never forget that. And he said, for some people, it's going to be easy to see the God in them. But for others, you're not going to, it's going to be really hard. He said, but the point is not that you see it, but that you always look for it. Mm. Because God is in everybody. He said, there's a piece of God in everybody, so always look. And so it taught me as a child, I just look for the best. I look for the God. I look, it's automatic now. But it was intentional, and it just helped me to, um, you know, when I got older, I would ask God, help me to see people through your eyes. But it was the same thing my dad told me. Always look, know that everybody you meet, there's a there's a part of God in them. God made and just the the he said the strength is not going to be that you find the God in me. The strength is in that you always look, yeah. always look. Something that Lisa said is so critical. Um, sometimes we stress and strive over deepening intimacy. We're trying so hard. We want to go after it. And this last year, I preached one sermon at Cornerstone on rest. wasn't talking about sleeping. I was talking about spiritual rest. And all of a sudden, this download came, and that one sermon turned into like 10 weeks about spiritual rest. And when we stop striving and stop working and stop stressing and we rest, transformation occurs. And here's the revelation that came out of that series for us. When I work, I work. When I rest, God works. And there has to always be a place where you do not work, where you rest. And particularly, like, for men, you like to get it done, get it done. You know, and even women are like, to, but God said to us one time that there has to be a place where you are not working and where you can just rest. And what better place than in God's presence? And that answers your question. That's one of the functional points in God's presence. We can actually get in God's presence and not realize that we're still working. By telling him what the issue is, telling him who needs to get fixed, telling him what he needs to do to go pray. You know, we're praying for this and, and we're working, we're striving. And he says labor to enter into rest. And so... God always, there is always in every situation, it could be something as simple as cleaning your house that's a mess. You know, if your house gets a mess or your room is a mess and you want to clean it, there is always in every situation a God-ordained starting place. And I might have to do 20 things, but God, where do I start? What's the starting place? And so to learn how to identify God's starting place it helps greatly. So even learning how to rest in his presence, he gives us a starting place, which is simply when, when I started years ago, many years ago, learning, okay, God, in your presence, I'm working. In your presence, I'm telling you, you know, what's, what's, 
what I need done, and I'm praying. And there's a time to have your prayers up, you know, offered up to God and supplication. God invites us to do that. But there's also a time where we just need to rest in his presence and let him do what he wants to do. And if I can learn how to surrender in that moment, I started with 30 seconds years ago. Like, God, if I can just be still in your presence for 30 seconds. And I could my mind was like, okay, you need to go do this. You need to go that. You need to do, okay, okay. And so it was busy inside. And then I'm fighting to get my internal stay quiet. But that was my soul fighting my soul. And I'm still working and I'm laboring in God's presence. And finally, I said, I have to put the Holy Spirit, you, I surrender to you. Quiet my spirit. Quiet my soul. Quiet me. Teach me. And then he just gave me um, a, a simple point to just focus on him and his, just to focus on him. Take myself out of the mix and just focus on him. So then I automatically went to, God, I thank you for blessing me. I couldn't get me out of it. You know what I mean? All my prayer was still going back to me, your faithfulness to me, your goodness to me. I didn't know how. And finally, it got to what Brad said. What God was trying to get me to was, <clears throat> I don't even know how. I don't know how to rest in your presence, so teach me. And God let me go through weeks of trying and weeks of my mind wandering and weeks of, you know, God, I'm doing it my way. And he was just trying to get me to recognize and to acknowledge, I don't know how to rest in your presence. So I surrender to you. Teach me. And he began to teach me. I'm just, you know, at first it was maybe tw 10 seconds. My mind would be totally focused on him. And I would just be able to allow him to do whatever he wanted to do. But it has, you know, picked up from there. But it was, it had to start somewhere. So ask him to identify the starting place for you and to let you know. And he always puts that starting place where we can get it. It's always somewhere we, where we can get it. And it's usually much simpler than we think it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. And family, God wants a family. God has just always wanted a family. He has always wanted a family. And so I thank God and celebrate this family and that we are all family uh, in Christ. And literally, God, Jesus, when he's talking about our father, this, our father, and my father, he's making a point about family relationship. And so, um, you know, Bishop said it to us years ago that a lot of people are striving to be a good leader or a good parent. Um, we're just striving for leadership. And then you saw the churches having all of these leadership conferences. And the point God made to us was he didn't call us to be good leaders. For the men, he was saying, I didn't call you to be a good leader. But if you can be the father that I have purposed you to be, you'll automatically be a good leader. Be a good father, be a good parent, be a good son, be a good, and you'll automatically be a good leader, but don't strive to be a good leader. But just strive in that relationship um, as it relates to family. Whatever place God has you in, celebrate that place, be it brother, be it sister, be it father, be it mother. But don't seek the position, don't seek the title. Seek God, and the position will come. Amen, amen. Uh, I want us to pray, but is there any... Do you have anything, or John, do you have anything before we move to a time of prayer? One thing that has been super practical for me um, when it comes to quieting my mind um, is that soul thing. It's just keeping a notebook. Um, and when my mind is trying to 
tell me the things that I got to do, I got to do. I've just learned that when I write it and it goes from here to my hand to my notebook, it's saying, okay, that's important. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down. But as soon as I get it out of my hand, then something, I'm just able to quiet, you know. And I'm in a season where the verse, you know, be still and know that I'm God. And that has really become life for me in this season. I always knew that verse. But taking, even if it's 10 minutes, even if it's five minutes in the morning and having that notebook, writing those things down, those tasks, those responsibilities that are important, and then somehow the edge of that, the urgency, the pressure, when it goes from my mind through my hand onto the pen of paper, it's saying, I recognize that, and then I just commit it to the Lord, and then I can quiet, then that allows me to quiet my heart and mind. That's just a real practical thing that someone taught me, Mark Berkler, I don't know if you've ever heard him, but um, he was a guy that spoke years ago at Pleasant Valley on how um, communing with the Lord. So keeping a journal. When I'm anxious about something, writing that question down, dialoguing with Holy Spirit, dialoguing with Jesus, what do you say about this? And, you know, when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus, he first, before he revealed himself, drew out of those followers their anxiousness, their thoughts. And he, when he drew out of them and he asked them questions and he listened to them, then he gave them the story. Then he pulled out of them their anxious thoughts, the, the way they were viewing the circumstances. He pulled out of them the way they were viewing things, cleared that out of them. Then he deposited them and opened up their mind through the word of God, through communing and speaking with them. So sometimes before we can be quiet and still and commune on him and really, you know, Jesus said, my body is real food. My my blood is real drink. Dialoguing, asking, what does that mean? You know, practically um, having conversations about those things that are pressing on our souls that are so noisy all the time sometimes can be very helpful. So you have anything, sir? I mean, we're going to pray. You can save it for prayer, but if you had something, I wanted to make space for that. Dog's butt. Dog's butt. Mm. Dog's my God. Butt. Mm. Wow. My, my God. Right. <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> has, this, uh, has this been beneficial? That's it. Has this been beneficial tonight? Okay. Here's what I'd like to do. Here's what I had a picture of, if you guys wouldn't mind. Um, you can stay in your chair, but I just would like for us to come and gather and just kind of get, get low and ask these um people who are amazing guests but also part of our family to pray for us.